0: You're one of our regular students for self-improvement Wednesday each week. You get to learn something new. Your lesson this week: could a volcano erupt anywhere? Could it erupt in your backyard, for instance? Your teacher is Dr. Heather Handley, volcanologist and adjunct associate professor at Monash University. Heather, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Can we start with the where and why of volcanoes? Can they happen anywhere?
1: So the, the short answer to that is is no, not exactly. So on Earth, there's a few main ways to make molten rock that we need to feed the volcanoes. And this occurs typically at the boundaries of these big tectonic plates that we know make up the surface of the Earth. And so where these tectonic plates pull apart from each other, which is, you know, if you look at the map of uh, South America with Africa, you can kind of see they look like a, a jigsaw that would fit back together, pieces of a jigsaw. And so that's, um, a place where the tectonic parts have been pulling apart and forming the ocean um, in between, and so that's a region. So all of that region under there is is volcanic; is all ocean floor that's been formed by volcanoes. Or we find them where we push plates together. So where one one big plate will go down underneath another one. So this is called a subduction zone, and this is what we see all around the Ring of Fire, and why we have volcanoes all around the edge of the Pacific Ocean, where plates are being pushed down under one another. Well, you can also find them in the middle of plates. So, in this situation, it's where the mantle, like the lower part um, inside the Earth below the crust, is hotter than normal. So, this is a situation like we see in Hawaii. So, we know we all know that Hawaii um, is very uh, volcanically active, and so. What happens there is it's in the middle of the Pacific plate. So there they think the mantle is slightly hotter than normal and that's what's causing the melting of the mantle and its, and its movement to the surface.
0: Okay, so just to explain that, if it's in the middle of a plate, sorry, ignorant question, I'm sure, but how does the, the molten lava get through the plate and uh, cause the problems?
1: yeah so the molten lava is much more buoyant than its surrounding area so it will always try to rise towards the surface where wherever wherever it is and it does utilize you know paths of weakness or fractures or and so once you've kind of like heated up that area on the way to the surface it's easier for then more and more um, of the molten rock magma to, to push through
0: Mm. And sometimes it pushes through with some surprise for people. There was a situation in Hawaii a few years ago when there were swimming pools full of lava, weren't there?
1: Yeah, so in Hawaii in 2018, I think if you've been on holiday to Hawaii, you've probably been to the main crater of Kilauea Volcano, one of the most active volcanoes, and that's Halimaumau. But what happened in 2018 is that there's another crater called Pu'o'o, That's about 20 kilometers away from uh, the main crater. And both of those craters, they started to show a little bit different activity, but then the lava just disappeared. So the question was, where was it going? So what they managed to do, because they're monitoring very well, is be able to track the movement underground of this molten rock as it moved down the east eastwards so it went over uh, 20 kilometers underground where we couldn't see it but people then 20 kilometers away so living in a you know kind of residential and rural area started to feel some earthquakes and then they they saw um, cracks formed on some of the roads and, and hot white and blue fumes were rising from the cracks of so gases were coming out and then just a day after more ground cracks appeared and lava started to spatter and burst out of these elongate cracks in the ground. So in people's backyards and, and lava was moving down the roads. And unfortunately, over 700 homes uh, were lost through that, through that eruption. So this was a long way away from, you know, where the, the main crater had been active in the past.
0: Mm. So why didn't the lava just come up, come up straight away? Why did it travel sideways in that way?
1: Yeah, so I think researchers are still trying to understand why it moves. But in Hawaii, what you've got is a a volcano, and then there are fractures in the ground that move out sideways from the volcano. So it it looks like, you know, you had this increased amount of lava coming up, but then it disappeared. So, you know, my my guess would be that it it went, um, there was a new, you know, quite a, a new amount of magma coming into the system, and then it it managed to fracture and crack and and go down one of these cracks that that go away from the volcano until it found its way to the surface quite a long way away.
0: Mm, These surprising volcanoes where you weren't expecting them. The the greatest example of all is probably Mexico in 1943.
1: Yeah, this is an amazing, uh, amazing situation where there were farmers working in the field in 1943 uh, in Mexico in a, in a small area called Paracutin. And, you know, unlike Hawaii, there was no monitoring then. There was little awareness, actually, of, of these vulca- the ability of the volcanoes to kind of just pop up um, in the landscape. And so they started to feel, in the area, they started to feel a few earthquakes about two weeks before. Nobody really knew um, what was going on. So they were sending uh, messengers to the nearest town to say, look, we've had all these kind of tremors and the earth shaking, but we don't know what to do. And then before they could even send somebody back to say, oh, the seismicity, the, the earthquakes have stopped. Then, um, there were cracks in the ground in the farmer 's field, so while he was trying to plow it, get ready for the corn. Gas started to come up and then um, that evening started to sp- to spatter and, and lava started to come out and by the morning, there was a ten meter high volcano and so this was really witnessing the birth of a of a completely new volcano in an area where there 'd be no no volcanoes. Uh, Before. And so, you know, in the end, it built up, it was active for about nine years and it built up a cone of 400, over 400 meters high. So it was an incredible opportunity for volcanologists at the time. So this was between 1943 and 1952 to really observe the birth, you know, the entire life of a volcano from its birth to its death, because now it's considered um, extinct. And so these volcanoes are are very rare to observe, but they give us an incredible insight into, you know, just how you can form volcanoes where there's not been volcanoes before.
0: Now, how, how many places on the planet could that sort of thing happen?
1: So this type of setting that we see in Mexico is actually really common. And these these are parts of volcanic fields. So when you think of a volcano, you might think of, you know, you think of something uh, like Mount St. Helens or Mount Fuji in Japan, and you think of this big conical volcano. But we also get volcanically active areas. So it's a whole area rather than just one volcano that's active. And in those areas, we can get you know, tens to hundreds, even sometimes over a thousand small little volcanoes. But the, it's the whole area that's active, and so these these areas we call them volcanic fields. They happen on every continent on the planet. So we find them in the middle of the plates. We find them near the edge of the plates. So they're a little bit more of an unusual uh, setting than the you know the typical uh, ways we usually find volcanoes on the planet. Um, and so we. Also have, there's other volcanic fields uh, in Auckland, so not too far away from Sydney. And the whole city of Auckland is actually built on an active volcanic field. So the last eruption there was only about 500 years ago at Rangitoto Island, which is in the harbour just off there, just from the, sea. C- you'll see it from the CBD. And there's 53 volcanoes um, uh, in, in the Auckland volcanic field. And so they're very much, <clears throat> with the last eruption only about 500 years ago, they're very much aware that this, you know, is an active place and they're doing a lot of preparation uh, to prepare for the next the next eruption.
0: Kevin, okay, in theory, at least one of those, something like the 1943 Mexico incident where it grows almost overnight could happen in Auckland.
1: Yeah, it could. And so they're doing a lot of preparation. They're doing, they work with the local authorities. They work doing kind of simulations with the military because they do expect there to be another volcanic eruption in the centre of Auckland city. And so they're doing lots of scenario modelling of, you know, what would the impact be? And researchers have done some um, studies to see, well, if there was an eruption, because they are, they are relatively small, uh, you know, volcanic eruptions, but they can create obviously quite a bit of impact if there's gas and there's lava. And so they're saying that if there was an eruption, they expect that they might have 320,000 residents that might need to evacuate. You know, near the eruption site of a new volcano, which could take them up to about forty-nine hours to complete. So they're they're definitely they have a big research group there in Auckland, and they're very much um, it's very much in the minds of the people there about how to prepare for the next volcanic eruption in Auckland.
0: Okay, the other famous volcanic field is in, is in Germany, isn't
1: it? Yeah, there's a there's a volcanic field in Germany called the Eiffel volcanic field, and many people might not be aware that there are uh, active volcanoes. So, um. I actually was lucky to visit with my children. I took them, you know, as you do to go and see the volcanoes. And there is a volcano there called Lacazé. And it's, it's one of the most recent ones in the field. It erupted about 13,000 years ago. So still very young geologically speaking. And you can see these bubbles of carbon dioxide that are coming up in, in very, like, quite high concentration in different parts of the lake and we went for a swim apart near the campsite and while we were in the water there was a there, we saw just off to the side there was a big upwelling of co2 so we we got out just in case <laughs>
0: I don't think all people take their children to see the volcanoes. I think some people. it's Euro Disney is the first on the list. Rather <laughs> the volcanoes, but still. Yeah, we, we never, never quite made it there, but hopefully we will. <laughs> uh, just, so I started with this intriguing question of, for a person listening in Sydney: Could, could in theory at least, that uh, a, a volcano spring up in in their backyard? What's the answer to that? Is is it possible?
1: So, in certain parts of Australia, it actually is possible that they could see a new eruption pop up in someone's backyard or garden. And so, there are still two volcanic areas, so these volcanic fields considered to be active in northeast and southeast Australia, where we might see an eruption in future. The only problem is we don't know exactly when or where in the field that will be.
0: And where are those fields? How much of Australia do they, do they cover?
1: Yeah, so the, in the northeast, it's around the Kinrara Volcano and the Atherton uh, Tablelands that have the young areas of, of volcanic activity. So Kinrara Volcano is only about 7,000 uh, years old. So that's relatively young, geologically speaking. And then down in southeast Australia, it's called the Newer Volcanics Province, which stretches from Melbourne all the way across into South Australia to Mount Gambia.
0: And if you were in that area, what would be the first... Warning signs of a of a of a Mexico like incident, if if I can put it that way.
1: Yeah. So what we can do is we can use the examples that we we see in Hawaii and in Mexico to understand what the warning signs might be. And in, in both cases, they were preceded by a number of earthquakes. So we might expect, you know. <clears throat> Excuse me. As the magma moves towards the surface up through the ground, that it can break and crack those kind of brittle crustal rocks, and so there will generate some earthquakes. It might only be small at first, or small swarms of earthquakes, but there should hopefully be some earthquakes to detect. And then also we might see changes in the land surface. So the ground might start to heat up. We might start to see cracks. Um, the the height might move. So at Paricutin in Mexico, it moved by about four meters before just before the eruption. So it. it part of it raised by four meters so it's quite a lot um so gas come out and then the, the, the cracks in earth and then there would be an eruption the only the only complication is if that magma that molten rock if it comes towards the surface and encounters any groundwater so it could be an aquifer or a, a lake or a river then that magma mixing with the cold water could cause a more explosive eruption than what we see in hawaii or, or the volcanic eruption we saw in paracutin
0: Well, next time I'm anywhere near Melbourne, I'll keep my eyes out. Fascinating lesson. (laughs) Heather, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thanks. Heather Handley. Dr. Handley is a volcanologist and adjunct associate professor at Monash University. You can listen again to her lessons about volcanoes, abc.net.au slash Sydney. There you'll also find past episodes of the free Self-Improvement Wednesday podcast. Next week, a lesson from Tim Dean, philosopher and author from the University of Sydney. That's Self-Improvement Wednesday for another week.